Listen, this suit comes with expectations, bro. You can't just punch your way out of problems anymore. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch crew, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier review of Episode 2, The Star-Spangled Man. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. And I'm Lewis. All right, Jason, that was a phenomenal episode. I personally liked it, but let's go with you first. What were your initial reactions to that second episode? I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was a step up from Episode 1. Again, not that Episode 1 was bad, but I feel like it was more like a prologue to the show. Sure. And this one really kicked it off. We got to see our dudes together. Uh, We got to see the buddy cop parts. Uh, We're starting to learn a lot more. And once again, the action was amazing. This show seems to have movie-type action every episode, which is, uh, well, I guess you would expect it from Marvel, but I didn't know that they would be able to do it for a TV show. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jason. I, you know, I had a lot of fun with it uh, right from the get-go. It's very surprising, again, to have quality action sequence for a series. It's, it's a Marvel movie quality sequence, so I had a lot of fun with it. What's really interesting about this episode is where all the characters are headed. I feel like we got more in-depth with not only from the characters from the first episode, but we're also getting some backstory from new characters as well, which really drive the story especially for sam and bucky at this point and i thought it was very interesting getting to know these characters yeah lewis i think you're right it seems like this show is starting to not only fill in the puzzle pieces that they didn't have time to in the past but also they're implementing some new puzzle pieces i think for the future the new phase of marvel Yeah, I know I've read articles where stuntmen have said that every episode feels just like a movie because of all the action that they have in there. Mm -hmm. So it's great to see that that has been confirmed, essentially, by having it in both episodes. So I'm really looking forward to the action set pieces that are coming up in future episodes. I really loved how, even though we've seen parts of the fight on top of the semi-trailers before in the trailers, I really loved how Marvel was able to edit that down so we didn't know that John Walker was going to show up mm-hmm. and help out our crew, essentially try to help out our crew. So it was it was really great. I was, I was definitely on the edge of my seat waiting for something to happen. And this is not the episode I was expecting, but I fully, really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought they were going to go in a couple different directions, uh, but it was very, very, very well done. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I have a few fun facts. The first one is about episode one. Disney Plus reported that the series premiere ranked as the most watched series premiere ever for them, which is pretty impressive. Yes, they're still pretty new when it comes to episodic premieres, but... It did better than Mandalorian and WandaVision. In fact, the top three most watched weekend premieres are Falcon, WandaVision, and season two of The Mandalorian. So they seem to be doing better and better and better. Like you said, Jason, kind of understandable because everything outside of WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and and Mandalorian has been, you know, behind the scenes type stuff that Disney nerds would care about. But you're right. It is really cool to see that they're everything that they release new season or new series It's just becoming better and better. More people are being drawn to Disney+. Plus. Also, did you know, and Brian, you probably did know this, that the actor who plays John Walker is Wyatt Russell. Yep. Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son, which is pretty dope. And before he was an actor, he was a pro hockey player. Really? Yeah. He played for a few teams in the pros. And what made me think about that is the opening scene for him 
in this episode is at his old high school and he's in the football locker room. And I thought, how cool and meta would it be? Because Marvel's all about meta. If they gave us right. a little wink, wink, and instead of a football locker room, it was a hockey locker room. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Just like a little, like, if you guys know, we know too. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. I think they're trying to do other meta type stuff later on. That's why they weren't necessarily thinking about it. But yeah, it would have been a nice little nod for sure. Oh, of course. I mean, they're doing meta upon meta. Keeping in mind, and I think this is fun for everyone who's watching, keep in mind that this was supposed to be, like we said last episode, Disney Plus's first Marvel series before WandaVision. And right. all these characters that you're getting introduced to, even people that don't look like they're characters, they look like they're extras, are actual future characters in the Marvel Universe. They're actual superheroes that only comic book fans know about at this point. Thanks, Jason, for the segue. Let's dive into the Marvelverse real quick and talk about these new characters that we had. At the top of the episode, we saw Lamar Hoskins get introduced. In the comics, he also had the name of Battlestar, which was revealed, he said, later on in the episode. But he was basically a sidekick to John Walker as not only a, initially a professional wrestler, but also a, quote, villain for hire, unquote, to help prop up John Walker as a good guy. And then after John Walker became Captain America, Lamar Hoskins and a couple of the other bodies that were there were called the Buckies as a homage, if you will, to the original Bucky and Cap partnership that we got from the original series. There are some qualms about the name and what it meant, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why he went with the name of Battlestar. So it was really cool that they were able to bring that in from the comic books and really kind of, you know, call back to something that was really pivotal to John Walker's origin story in the comics. And while it might be weird to think that Lamar Hoskins being a professional wrestler was kind of out of left field. In the comics, the power broker is actually the one that gave all of those professional wrestlers their powers, ultimately from the super soldier serum as well. The other fun fact that comes from the power broker is that later on in the comics, so we're talking late 2000s, 2010s, the power broker financed a gentleman by the name of Carl Mollis, who was basically a mad scientist. He experimented on undocumented immigrants. So you can tell this is much closer in recent history because comics have a way of talking about whatever is relevant in pop culture and life. But Dr. Malice experimented on Joaquin Taurus and in the comics is the one that turned him into the half falcon, half man creature that we get. So there is some more connections that they're bringing in. I don't think, again, we're going to get the human experimentation that we got from the books, but there will be most likely some connection from Dr. Carl Malice, Power Broker, providing the super soldier serum to not only potentially John Walker and Lamar Hoskins, but maybe in the future, Joaquin Taurus as well. And then finally, the really big character that got introduced is Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah Bradley was the super soldier that was introduced while Captain America, Steve Rogers, was on ice as a way to try to... Fill the void. Fill the void, exactly. Yeah. Continue the name moving forward. What we're seeing is history repeating itself. So they, in the past, they created a Captain America before, and they tried this, and that's with Isaiah yeah. Bradley. And we're finding out kind of backdoor-wise, via the conversation they're having, that while Steve was on ice, Isaiah was the one that was tasked with going out and trying to fight the Winter Soldier, evil Bucky. I feel like it's kind of pushing the, the propaganda feel of Captain America. So they had Steve Rogers do it. Once he's on ice, who are we going to get to 
rally the troops, get everyone going again. They got Isaiah Bradley. And then it's kind of going again with John Walker. They're kind of setting that part of the storyline up, I feel. So like Jason said, it's kind of like history repeating itself. What's interesting is, and of course, I don't know, I didn't read about him in the comics, but from the little bit I could devise from that scene is that Isaiah Bradley was actually potentially a good Captain America. Uh, He seems tortured now uh, emotionally from whatever happened, and we don't know. But I have a feeling that back then they still were taking the time to make sure that this next super soldier, this next Cap, is not only physically applicable, but also mentally and emotionally and morally applicable. I'm not sure they did that with our new Cap. No, you're right. And then in the books, the reason why Steve Rogers works so well as Cap is because he had that moral fortitude to do the right thing just because it was the right thing. We know that Isaiah Bradley also had that as well. There were some tweaks from the comics. In the show, he's in jail for 30 years, where in the comics, it was actually more three. And you're right. He was a much better. That is a very big difference. Yes. But you're right. Isaiah Bradley was a really good cap as a really good fill-in. But with the political culture and the racial culture at the time, it wasn't something that was talked about, which... Even Bucky in the episode talked about as well and says, hey, I didn't tell anybody. No one else knew about. And Sam obviously was very visibly upset about not talking that there was a second Captain America. I'm really excited for the possibilities that this is bringing up. And we'll talk later about one other possibility, one other thing that's coming up in our spoiler section about this scene. But it was really cool that they were able to give a nod to the second Captain America as the recurring theme of trying to produce more super soldiers after Captain America went on ice. And then we're starting to see that progress throughout the entire series of there's always this continuous trying to recreate Stephen Rogers as Captain America as a super soldier, but not fully successfully doing so because ultimately the super soldier serum broadens and multiplies everything that you have in you, which is why it didn't work for the Red Skull and turned him bad. So it's going to be intriguing if they give the super serum to John Walker, if it exemplifies and amplifies some of the tendencies that we've already started to see in this episode of him being a little more more gray than Captain America, a little more less moral, if you will. Mm. I was kind of shocked seeing that scene so quickly in this in this series. I know, Brian, you spoke about Isaiah Bradley last episode, how uh, you know he was casted and he might come up in the series. And I was kind of shocked and impressed that they brought it in in the second episode and how impactful that scene was to um, not only Bucky, but also Sam realizing, hey, there was someone that he could have looked up to as Captain America growing up and... He was just like very, very shocked, as was I, in the fact that they actually did that scene so, so perfectly in the second episode. I, I thought it was, uh, it was very well done. On top of that, Steve Rogers didn't know. Yeah. And I think, I don't know the time frame, so I might be wrong here. I don't even know if the Falcon could look up to him because I think he was in jail still, as yeah, far as the movie's concerned or the show is concerned. So uh, more importantly, Steve Rogers could have helped get him out of jail and fix his life earlier. And that's what's important. Right. And I think that's probably not the last time we hear about that because that has to be broached again with Bucky. Why did he not tell him? You know, we know why, I think. It's guilt. It wasn't that he didn't want to hinder Steve Rogers with, with a responsibility. It was his own guilt about yeah, for sure. Isaiah Bradley. And he's going to have to work on that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's one of, I mean, I didn't see him on the, on the list of people, but I'm pretty sure he's one of the people that he has to make amends to for what, what he's done in the past with Isaiah Bradley. But yeah, for sure, it's, it's purely guilt. 
I think that list was more of a amends physically or, uh, you know, like not I'm sorry amends, more like you deserve some shit amends. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So in the comics, while Isaiah Bradley was in jail, he was also subject to tests around super soldier serum. I think, honestly, we'll probably get some flashback scenes this season around that, probably episode four or five or so, or at least that's what I'd be expecting. So I'm I'm for sure certain that Isaiah Bradley will come back around and we will have more of a conversation with him later in the series. Yeah, I agree. I think um, Sam will turn around and have a conversation with him. Just probably maybe Bucky's not even there. And I think that would give him more of a confidence boost as to, hey, am I worthy of being the next uh, Captain America? I think that conversation is going to bring that up. Yeah, I totally agree. And then, of course, we have the grandson there who we met momentarily, who shouldn't mean much to you at this point, but he will in the future. Maybe not this season, but we'll go through that in the spoiler section. Right after meeting Isaiah, we see that Bucky is arrested by the cops in the street for no other reason other than missing his court-mandated therapy session. So we get into the scene that we saw in the initial trailer of the therapy session between Sam and Bucky. And I want to talk about this here just real quick. We see two things. We see the dynamic between the two, Sam and Bucky, in a really magnified version of a buddy cop movie of just playing around, but also kind of having mutual respect for each other, but also kind of having some disdain for each other, kind of like uh, Lethal Weapon. What we also get is Bucky telling Sam why he's so upset with Sam giving up the shield and giving up the mantle. What I think is interesting is that it's not so much completely about Sam, but it's also about his feelings of Steve Rogers thoughts around if Bucky was worthy enough to be a good person, because we get the quote of if Steve was wrong about you, that means he was wrong about me. I thought it was very, very powerful. I think this speaks volumes to what Bucky's going through. He looks at Sam and it's not that he doesn't like Sam. It's a reflection of his own feelings. It reminds him of his possible shortcomings. If Steve Rogers was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. And that means that I can't make up for what I've done. It means that I can't be a good guy. I can't be the good guy that Steve saw in me. Oftentimes, I mean, it's, it's very reminiscent of people that don't get along because they're too alike. Yeah. They're so alike, they hate each other because they see their weaknesses in that person. And it's a reflection of themselves, and it doesn't make them feel good about themselves. So it's not, this, it's not exactly the same thing, but what he's seeing right now is all of his doubts being brought to the forefront when he's in front of Sam. Which speaks volumes to the fact that Bucky was the one to initiate contact with Sam and start this whole buddy cop show. Yeah, I think he feels that if Steve was wrong about Sam, then he's beyond uh, redemption, right? Like, he can't be saved from all the, the bad that he's done from the past. I feel like in his eyes, he sees Sam and he's, like, getting past all, like, the arguments they have and everything. I, I still think Bucky has some high respect for Sam because he sees Sam. He's like, all right, he was by Steve's side. That's my best friend. Steve vouches for him. And, you know, I believe in Sam. And I also like in that scene where he's just like, hey, what's the second rule? You know, he he's the one that's, like, hurt from that whole situation she tried to make make it better all their emotions come out and bucky's like yeah that that didn't work that that made it worse yeah but in therapy you have to make you have to open the wound first what she did was actually right right correct yeah what she did was correct but in bucky's eyes he's the one that's like i didn't want to talk about it now i'm hurt yeah exactly but from this point on we're gonna see him and sam build of course a relationship and um get stronger independently as well 
yeah. Which I wouldn't be surprised if that same therapist comes at the end. It's just like, hey, there you go. You see, told you so. I hope there's yeah. more of her because she's awesome on screen. I love it. She's great. Yeah, I would fully expect that she comes back at the end of the series to sign off on Bucky saying, yeah, you completed your court mandated therapy. You're good. Sure, you're, there's still some pieces you need to work on, but feel free to, to move on with the rest of your life. You've completed your sentence, essentially. Yeah. The one last scene that we haven't talked about is the scene in Germany. We do get Bucky randomly showing up at some military airfield, which for half a second, how? How did he do yeah. that? I was, I was thinking the same way. I, I mean, it was kind of like a Batman move, right? Like, he just showed up from out of nowhere. Exactly. Like, All right, Bucky, like, what, what the hell, man? Sure. He's been Call, pardoned. Last episode, Sam called him or texted him, and I, I expected that scene where it's just, like, him trying to call him back. They didn't have that. They just jumped right into it. So it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it was it was kind of weird. You can tell that there was a little bit of a space and time from not only John Walker and Good Morning America talking about the tour that he's done, all of the posters that have been put around everywhere. So you can tell there's a little bit of time, but it just seemed kind of disjointed that all of a sudden Bucky just shows up at this airfield where Sam is. Sorry, I just it it felt weird to me. And I figured it's like, eh, wanted to it was talk about it real quick. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It was jarring. I was just like, if there's, they're missing a one scene. Yeah, and let's be real. We're nitpicking on the very minute thing at this point. Yeah. Him just randomly showing up. But Sam and Bucky go to track down the Flag Smashers that Red Wing has been able to track to a, a warehouse in Munich. And we see that they're smuggling humanitarian relief efforts that the Global Reparation Council is trying to give out to the people that have returned from the blip. We get a little more background there around what the Flag Smashers want to do, just return things things to the status quo before those five years. And we see as Sam and Bucky are fighting on top of the semi-trailers at that awesome action set piece that we mentioned at the top and we see it in the trailers. We also see John Walker and Lamar Hoskins show up and try to assist Sam and Bucky fighting against the Flag Smashers. We get a couple pieces of information then in that military vehicle right after the fight. One, we get some sort of acknowledgement that the United States military or government has been tampering with Red Wing, who, by the way, rest in peace. So Sam's suspicions from the first episode are correct. But we also get this interesting conversation from John Walker saying, basically, I'm not trying to replace Steve Rogers. I'm just trying to be the best Captain America that I can be. So help me out here, guys. Well, on paper, he's really good. He looks really good. To be honest, in the beginning of the episode, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm seeing it, right? Like, you know, you totally believe this all-American dude. And all right, may maybe he could be a good guy. But then there's slight things yeah. throughout the episode where one little thing goes off for him and he's going to snap. He's it's. It's just going to happen. Yeah, it's progressing a little bit. I think they did a good job of introducing him. And in the beginning, I was thinking, wait, wait, wait. Are they going to make us like John Walker and make us yeah. feel conflicted? Because I think that would be genius if we were so conflicted for more than just one episode. For a couple of episodes, we we're like, but but no, he, he is a good guy. He could be. Yeah. Well, they had me feeling that for maybe a scene or two, right? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, like by the end of the episode, I'm like, eh, all right. I mean, it's something they could have done for another two episodes and it would have been genius i, I agree yeah. with you, Jay. i think it, it would have been amazing but we keep forgetting they don't have many he, episodes to work with so they gotta they don't. Speed they have that to, up. they have to speed everything up and a lot of things were sped up on this episode which was surprising to me but understandably you know they, yeah. it's understandably so why they would do that at first i was feeling for john walker because i felt like okay well he's trying really hard and of course we can understand because we're feeling the same thing what bucky and sam are going through and they're like you're not my captain what are you doing with the shield i think this all could have been fixed they didn't have to make him Captain America. They could have built him up as the next symbol, gave him a whole different look, gave him a whole different yeah. 
thing and say, you know, Steve Rogers is yeah. dead, but meet John Walker, Texas Ranger. Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> I think it all would have been mitigated from there. And we could have... Even if they were going to... Like, even if they were going to call him Captain America, right? I think just involving Falcon from the get-go or Bucky from the go, hey, guys, listen, if you don't want to do the mantle, I mean, we would like you to be Captain America, but if you're not ready for it, let's get this guy, meet him, see see what you think about him, and just get those guys on board. And, and just getting those... One of them, just getting one of them would give him some sort of a legitimacy. Yes. Legitimacy to the name, you know? I agree with you. Do so, it the right way. But we've seen yeah. in the past with all the movies... You work with what has been helping you. You work with the people that saved your lives. And you say you introduce them to this guy and you try to warm them up. You get them to know each other. You're right. I like where your head's at there. And I think this all would have been fixed. I feel like John Walker had us going in the beginning where he's like, look, I'm not Tony Stark. I'm not Steve Rogers. I'm just this guy, you know, trying his best. Like watching that, you know, I feel like all right, if he would have said that with Falcon behind him or with War Machine behind him, like, OK, like, cool. They, they got two guys to vouch for him and, you know, let's give this guy a chance. But that's not and how they did kind of, it. And you can kind of see how not only do we see a glimpse of John Walker's history, his all-American bred background, going back to his high school where he has his old football locker room. But you can also see another glimpse into his character here, his facial reactions. And this is really a testament to to the actor of how good of an actor he is, uh, Wyatt Russell, that he's exuding this humanity of... This guy that's just trying to do right. But at the same time, he's pissed, essentially, that Sam and Bucky don't say, yeah, I got you, dude. We'll work together. Let's go get the Flag Smashers together when Sam and Bucky turn them down in the military vehicle. And that's also shown later in the episode when he gets Bucky out of jail and says, hey, you know, it was me. Let's we'll just meet outside. You guys go talk to your therapist. You guys are fine. But let's let's go talk outside. And that conversation devolves into hey, we need your help. If you're not going to be here, you're against us. And you can just kind of see that underlying rage then in John Walker's face. Yeah, that plays on like his his militant trait, right? Like that's basically showing what type of Captain America he is going to be. Yeah, I'm fully expecting him to be a little bit more of a violent Captain America. But yeah, there's a little bit more rage and I'm kind of excited to see this Captain America on screen. What we saw was two negative character traits. The rage that you guys are speaking of, this, this darkness that we see peeking out. But even before that, when he was the one that got them released, he had to make sure he showed his face. He had to give his little pomp and circumstance right there and, and say, you know, it was me. If it was someone like the real Cap, he would have done it, stayed in the background, or not even like entered the, the building waited for them to come out and then talk to them and never broached the the point that he was the one that got him out because that doesn't matter. So right. we're seeing his character all about quick. credit right now. He's just like, yes, I did it because I'm, I'm Captain America. Exactly. Yeah. You see what I could do? But so, what's funny right. is we're talking about the way Bucky is looking at Sam and it's how he's making him feel. What we're seeing here, and of course, I don't know enough about John yet, but from the little bit that we know, let's say he's not a bad guy. Let's say he actually is a good guy who has goals. He's really, he does all these amazing things. But he's looking at Bucky and Sam, and he feels like he is nothing compared to them. But he knows he has to hold this new mantle. And maybe they're reminding him of how inadequate he feels. And maybe that's why he's lashing out now. We don't yeah, know at this point. For, for sure. But to um, go off base a little bit, Brian, you were talking about the... Flag smashers. Uh-huh. Uh, 
the flag smashers. And I'm starting to think, and this is a little early, and of course it's not, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking this. It's a little obvious probably. That they're not going to be our actual bad guys. You know, they're a little bit Robin Hood. They're doing it. They're, they're putting the law in their own hands. They're doing it the wrong way. But the real bad guy is going to be the power broker. I'm hoping that the Flag Smashers end up uh, teaming up with our heroes by the end. I'm hoping. Ooh. Or they end up dying. I don't know. But the, the actual bad guy we have not met yet. Right. I have a couple of theories and spoilers for later on as we get to the tail end of the episode that's around that. But we do see that there is some unknown entity that texts Carly Morgenthau saying that you stole stuff from me. And we see the power brokers goons come after them later on as they're loading up the plane. So yeah, I, I fully believe that you're right, Jason, that the Flag Smashers are not necessarily the bad guys they're, or the main bad in the series. It's somebody else. So the end of the episode, we see Sam and Bucky walk away from their meeting with John Walker and Lamar Hoskins talking about how they can get more information around the Flag Smashers. And Bucky makes a subtle little suggestion that he knows of somebody that knows something about super soldiers and Hydra. And we all know it. We all know who he's referencing. We get some symphonic music playing and we all know they're going to go towards Zemo. And we see him in prison and that's where we end the episode. What do you guys think about that? It felt a little bit Hannibal Lecter, a little bit Magneto. Yes. Like they were pulling yes. really hard from very popular segments of other movies and TV shows. Oh, yeah. They're they're trying to set him up as being this really influential big bad, if you will. Mastermind. But someone yeah. that we still have to go and work with. Honestly, right. this was not how I thought the series was going to bring in Zemo. I thought he was actually already going to be working with the Flag Smashers. But honestly... I kind of really like this way. It's really yeah. cool that you see Bucky and Sam getting to that point of desperation mm. where they have to rely on somebody, an adversary from their past to meet a common goal. Enemy of my enemy, if you will. I thought it was great. And like I said earlier that at the top of the podcast, this is not necessarily what I envisioned episode two to be, but I'm glad they've done it this way. It's much better than I had it in my head. So I'm I'm happy with the way they introduced it. We might not have needed Zemo, you know, named drop per se, but I know Kevin Feige has said that you don't need to watch previous things in the MCU to understand what's going on. So I get why they name dropped him. But yeah, yeah. it was it was a great introduction. Um, yeah, I thought like you, Brian, I, I thought he had broken out already kind of orchestrating things. Yeah. I'm curious to see what that interaction is going to be with him and Bucky next episode, what what that's going to look like. Zemo's on the list of, yeah. of Bucky's list. So yeah. there's going to be some tension that they're going to play yeah. off, which is going to be really, should really be good. On, well, he should be on the, on the S list, right? Like, yeah. you know, he needs revenge on that. So I want to see what's going to happen. I think it's going to be interesting because Bucky's going to have to not just go based off of emotion and try to kill him. But also, at the same time, we're going to see this character who is going to be playing the Hannibal character for sure. He's going to be playing chess, the chess pieces. I think that was a little bit too much. They did that verbatim with Magneto, visiting Magneto, and they're playing chess. But we're going to find out that he's not a part of it at this point. And let's be honest, we all know he's going to get out. He's going to break out. That's Hannibal. They went and got his ideas and ideologies, his help, and then he breaks out. So what's going to happen is he's going to break out and then we're going to go back to Avengers. I have no strings to wear me down. A Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yes. Everyone, including the Flag Smashers, are going to be under his strings. He's going to manipulate everybody to get what he wants and needs. And we're not going to get a resolve by the end of this season. He, they're setting him up to be a villain for a movie. 
again. Yeah, and they should. I think he's one of the better villains from the Marvel films. And now that he's in a series format, I feel like we're going to get more of his, basically his arc of becoming a, like a super villain. And I like the vibe that I'm getting uh, with the Hannibal Lecter comparison, especially where Bucky has to work with him to see what's going on. So it's uh, it's a cool thing what they're doing with the with the series to build him up. Marvel also does a really good job of the slow burn. It took us years an entire series for Wanda Maximoff to become the Scarlet Witch. So I completely agree that, yeah, they're going to do a slow burn with Zemo to get him to the point that's very similar to his actual character in the comics, which most likely will happen at the end of the six episodes we're going to get this year. So it's going to be quite interesting. What are you guys thoughts on the big three androids, aliens and wizards? Well, they always fight one of them. I mean, they're not wrong. They're not. It's really not. They're not wrong. Yeah, I really I really liked how uh, Sam was just like, Sorcerer is just a wizard without the hat. That was a pretty cool. And it was already on the in one of the previews before. I think it was in the trailer. Right. Um, but I, I really I really dug that conversation because their uh, uh, Riggs and, and Murtaugh uh, huh. <laughs> a partnership. I'm waiting for I'm getting too old for this shit from Bucky. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. It has to be from Bucky. It has to be. It, he's 106, so it only makes sense that he's going to say it at some point. I mean, that would be a very nice meta thing that they know what they're doing, yeah. much like we saw in, in episodes of WandaVision. They know what they're doing, so they have some callbacks yeah. to classic tropes. What do you guys think about the, the cheeky mirroring of uh, Sam and Bucky when Lamar and John come up in that um, opening action scene? And it's like, oh, shit, they're like mirrors of each other, but a lot more confident. <laughs> but it's more like ignorant confidence because they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. I thought it was nice that they played it off because that's what essentially was in the comics, right? Like we were mentioned earlier is that. Lamar was part of a group called the Buckies to help prop up the U.S. agent. But yeah, there's like we were saying last time, there's a lot of parallels to previous Marvel movies and there's a lot of parallels even here. So it's like you can see that John and Lamar are much more the young pups, if you will, the inexperienced but cocky people. And then Sam and Bucky are like, no, that's not how it goes. Just just yeah. sit down. Let us handle it. We know what we're doing. We got it. Yeah. Go go learn. I just, a thing I just like I like Bucky's reaction to Battlestar. Battlestar. Okay, yeah. And he's just like, I'm out. (laughs) Like, I don't want to deal with this. Oh, you have a nickname too. All right, I'm out. I I found that pretty funny. All right, so that wraps up the episode. There is one general reaction that's out there that I thought was interesting to talk about for half a second. People are saying in the world that Falcon and Winter Soldier is kind of a letdown after you get to WandaVision. And what they mean by that is that WandaVision felt like a very risky endeavor and show for Marvel to take on. You don't really get a show that every episode is a different decade and has different tropes and talking about the different types of sitcoms. So that they really liked that feel for WandaVision. And obviously it fit within the story that they're telling for Wanda. But they're saying that Falcon and Winter Soldier is not that risky of a show. It's much more back into what we know, normal storytelling that Marvel has. Personally, I like taking risks every once in a while, but I really appreciate us getting back to the Marvel storytelling that we're used to so that we can see that, okay, yeah, we're starting to get into phase four. We're starting to get back into the normal rhythm of things. And again, keep in mind that this was supposed to come before WandaVision. This was supposed to be after Black Widow already came out into the theaters. So, you know, COVID times pushes everything around. But it's nice that it still feels Marvel, but they're doing a different type of movie or a different type of storytelling. Yeah, I think that's jumping the gun. You can't have that kind of opinion after two episodes. That's stupid because my opinion after the first episode of WandaVision is, uh, I don't know if I like this. Until (laughs) I started watching the rest and I was like, oh, I get what they're doing. Okay, cool, cool. 
And this is yeah. going to be different enough. This is a buddy cop. We haven't seen this before. This is also an introduction, like very Doctor Who-y, where they're giving us little things that we're not going to get payoffs for until years from now. Right, right. And stop comparing everything against each yeah. other because they, you're they, never going to be win or be happy. Yeah, they, they have to understand that Marvel does this really well where they know which characters to do the risky things. So WandaVision had to be like that. That's the one where these two characters, you could work with the weird stuff, the risky out there tropes, the, the sitcom thing. But this series has to be more of the normal Marvel, you know, Civil War, Winter Soldier vibe. So when you get right. another series, which is Loki coming up, they could go back and do the weird stuff. And then they go back to Hawkeye. And it, again, it's going to go back to the normal Marvel stuff because that that's what fits that character. And there's, so, there's always got to be a grounding. And yeah. they're going to do that. They're going to ground you every so often. Um, in a year or two, probably two years, we're going to get a horror type Exactly. Series. And it's That's, all going to uh, fit later on when you look back at it. Doctor Strange 2 or Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is supposed to be their horror type film, which is very intriguing. Alrighty, gents, let's get to our ratings in Shields. For grounding us as to what the quote experts and critics say, IMDb gave this episode an 8.5. And Rotten Tomatoes, while they're saying it's 100% fresh as of Friday evening, they gave it an 8.12. So, Lewis. You're first. Last episode, you gave it a 7.0. What do you give this episode? What's well, interesting, because in the beginning, I kind of thought that it was going really fast, right? Bucky's there from out of nowhere. And, you know, they throw in the old cap Isaiah Bradley from out of nowhere. And I was like, whoa, whoa, guys, what's going on? And then when you sit back and say, all right, this is this is a really short series. It's a six episode series. And they have to do that to kind of get the, the episode flowing. So uh, for me, with the action set pieces and them going really in depth in all these characters, just for off the second episode, I think I'm going to go with an 8.5. Cool. Jason? Lewis, I mirror you. I feel like this episode went by really fast and they're really amping it up really quick. I'm very intrigued and I actually have this written down already. I'm not copying you, Lewis. I promise. I went up from an 8 to an 8.5. You're copying me, but okay. <laughs> I think this is going to be one of those series that everyone starts comparing everything else to. So there were so many good points to this episode. We got to start to see how funny they are, Bucky and Sam, playing off of each other. They're really yeah. good. There's a lot of chemistry in those scenes, and you can't forget that. You can't undervalue chemistry because we've watched too many movies and TV shows where there's no chemistry and it falls flat. This is something special. And while you're watching it for the first time, keep that in mind so that you can embrace the experience you're having. Because there's so many times when you watch a show and you love it, and then you have a friend who's watching it for the first time and you go, God, dude, I wish I was you because I want to watch it again for the first time. So I'm in the same boat as you guys. I've gone up. Last episode, I gave this a eight and a half, but I've gone up. I haven't gone up as much as you guys have. I'm going a solid 8.9. You know, I said last episode that it felt like one half of act one of a movie. And you can kind of start to see how Marvel views these six episodes as a three hour movie that's given to us in half hour, 40-ish minute chunks of time. Right. So this felt like a very succinct end to an act one little rushed yes there's a little bit of a time jump between the two episodes that uh was a little jarring at the beginning so it didn't push up into the ninth territory for me but i thought it was great i loved it it really propels everything forward 
And now it's time to get our Clatchers in on the conversation over at the Digital Water Cooler. Over on Twitter at CKC Podcast, every week after the episode airs, we ask you who you think your MVS is or your most valuable soldier. We give you a poll with four options mainly because Twitter only allows us to have four options. And we also ask you to give your thoughts and opinions on the episodes in the comment section. The poll is typically up for three days, so feel free to vote even after you're listening to this. Fun fact, when we recorded the episode last week, Bucky was in the lead for the Twitter poll. After the poll closed, Sam and Bucky are tied for Most Valuable Soldier for the first episode. So thank you for those of you that got your extra votes in. This week, however, we gave you Bucky Barnes, John Walker, Carly Morgenthau, and Sam Wilson. As of recording here on Friday evening, coming in at last place at 6% is Carly Morgenthau. Well, understandably, because right now she's the bad guy. She is the leader of the Flag Smashers, and we don't like her. (laughs) At least we think we don't like her. There's some underlining theme there that is making my senses, my spider senses, say she's really trying to do good. But we don't understand what they mean yet when they say things were better when we were in the blip. What does that mean? I think she means maybe more united, but I agree. We don't really know what she means at that point. So, you know, it's totally understandable why she would be at that, uh, at that spot right now. So then coming in at third place is John Walker. Just like Carly, we got more of their background and some glimpse into what they were doing, but they didn't really fully give us the big oomph. So it makes sense to me that Carly and John are towards the bottom of our list here this week. Coming in second at 25% is Sam Wilson. And then coming in at first with an overwhelmingly majority of 56% is Bucky Barnes. I think this is a testament to the story that he tells this week, we get a really big glimpse into him and revelation in the therapist session with him and Sam. We get him propelling us to the next episode by saying, hey, we need to go talk to Zemo. We also get a glimpse into how he is thinking about John Walker and just taking up the shield and being the mantle of Captain America. So I totally agree with this poll. I think Bucky should be on top for this week. So spoiler alert. That's who I picked as well. I picked Bucky Barnes all for the reasons that we've been saying earlier about how he progressed the episode and everything I just mentioned. So, Jason. He's mine too. Bucky Barnes. He's the one that was actually taking initiative. He went to see Falcon. He chose to go along with him. It's because of him we get this buddy cop. I think if he stayed away, if he kept ignoring the text messages from Sam, we would have never gotten them together. Bucky's the one that is going to go to the house of Isaiah Bradley, something that must have been so difficult for him to go do with the Falcon. He's opening all these wounds and good on him. He's making big strides, even though he doesn't realize it yet. I think we're going to learn to really love Bucky. I agree. Lewis, who was your MVS for this episode? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that too as well. Um, I'm going to go with Bucky just for the reasons you guys are saying. He's really the one pushing the story forward. The first episode, I was very adamant about Torres being it because he's the one that did the investigation and everything in the first episode. And in this one, Bucky's really pushing it forward as in leading the emotional aspect of the series as well. Like, you know, all those things wouldn't have been pushed forward in this episode if it wasn't for Bucky. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to go with Bucky, same as you guys. Hopefully one of these episodes will not agree with everybody (laughs) and (laughs) have a little bit of conversation as to why we feel somebody's better over the other. But I digress. 
I think that's going to change when Sharon Carter comes in. I'm fully expecting Sharon, and th- we'll get into why in the spoiler section at the tail end of the episode here. Uh, I fully expect Sharon to come in next episode. I fully expect Zemo to have a more prevalent part next episode as well. So yeah, I think once we get more of our core group expanded to just Sam and, and Bucky, we'll we'll have more dissension in the ranks, if you will. If you want to join in on this conversation at the Digital Water Cooler, you can respond to the poll tweet after the episode airs on Friday morning, much like we have some comments here from Melly. Melly said that she voted for Bucky because he read Lord of the Rings when it first came out. <laughs> Hashtag respect. Hashtag, Hashtag wizards. wizards. That's Thank awesome. You, Melly. <laughs> And then we also had Brian T, not this Brian. Want to clarify that. It was not me. It's Brian T. He said that he had to vote for the U.S. agent because like him or hate him, and he hates him, USA agent has a strong catalyst to move the story forward. That being said, I can make a strong argument for any of the four. Much like we were talking about, these are all great characters within this episode. They all had very important beats to the story arc for the episode and really pushing it forward. We did learn a lot about everybody. So I totally agree with Brian T there. You can also email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com and we'll be able to read the emails here as well. If you want to be heard on the podcast, you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 252 CKC 6606 or 252 383 6606, and we'll be able to play and respond to them as well. We look forward to hearing from you on future episodes. And before we jump into the quantum verse and talk about spoilers and theories and some speculation without expectation, one minor programming note next week is Easter. We're going to do our best to record it as soon as we can, given the holidays and everything like that. But I know we've been trying to get this out towards the tail end of the weekend on Sundays. We probably won't be able to get it out until after the holidays. So we just wanted to put that out there to make sure that, you know, we we will be a little bit delayed, but we will be here next week and through the rest of the series. So if you don't want to be spoiled, we'll see you next week as we review episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. For those of you who are still with us, We have a few minor theories to discuss today. One that we alluded to earlier in the beginning is the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, who is Eli Bradley. In the comics, Eli Bradley was a founding member of the Young Avengers. We now have been introduced throughout the series and announcements of other series coming up of five of the six founding members of the Young Avengers. For those of you that don't know from the comics, not only is Eli Bradley one of them as the Patriot, but Wanda and Vision's two sons are also one of them. Yep. We have Kate, who is the protege of Hawkeye in the upcoming Hawkeye series. She'll be one of them. And then also Ant-Man's daughter, Cassie Lang, is another founding member of the Young Avengers. Nice. So I know we haven't officially announced the next Avengers movie as part of Phase 4 because all of our crew are interacting in other movies and other series, much like we're seeing here in Falcon Winter Soldier. So I fully expect a Young Avengers movie to come up at some point soon to have the next generation of heroes carry on the mantle. Yeah, I definitely see that as well. I see them building up these characters slowly and using these young characters for quite a long time. I mean, probably headlined by Tom Holland, too, depending on the the contract situation with Sony. But I could totally see that being the next uh, the next big thing for Marvel. Yeah, I would I would expect that Tom Holland or Spider-Man would have more of a advisor role, kind of like. Uh, Iron Man was to the Avengers helping with all their tech after the next Spider-Man movie comes out that's when his contract ends but I know he's publicly put out there that he would love to continue playing Spider-Man for as long as he is able to do so so that will be interesting to see moving forward oh yeah 
The second theory slash spoiler to talk about is uh, what I like to call a very different Sharon Carter. There was an interview that several news outlets put out there, but the head writer for Falcon and Winter Soldier says that we will be given some time to see Sharon Carter has gone through in the time since Civil War and what she's currently doing now. And I'm quite happy that they're going to be able to progress her backstory between that time and get her into a place that's going to be helpful to our crew here in the series. So then the last big theory here, and spoiler, potential spoiler, and I think the one that we'll have the most meat to talk about, is around General Ross. I personally feel General Ross will be revealed to be the power broker, but Uh then also playing both sides. Not only leading the Global Repartation Council and making sure that all of the returnees from the blip get back to life as normal. I think it's a natural progression from the last time we saw him as Secretary of State. So then having General Ross play both sides as the force behind it all is potentially a really big reveal that we'll get probably episode five. And that really changes the dynamic that he has, but has also been alluded to in the previous movies of where he's trying to control all of the superheroes and all of these enhanced individuals and continues his main storyline from all the way back in Incredible Hulk days of him trying to replicate the super soldier serum. So yeah, that's the basis of the theories. I don't have much more than that, but I think that's what they're going to be doing here. I could totally see a Palpatine type situation where he's just running uh, both situations where he's helping the bad guys out. So once the good guys beat them, you know, at their game, he'd be the one with the credit. He's the one that's like, hey, look what I set up. I I set up the new cap. I brought this brought this on. Yeah, I I could totally see that happening maybe toward the, the closing of the series. You know, as we're talking about the closing of the series, I have a possible ending in mind. And I'm just going to put it out there. If this happens and I call it, I'm right. Obviously, say it's like, yeah, I was right. But I think either one of two things happens with John Walker. He's either going to die at some point or he's going to give up the mantle, either which we see then the government's like, oh, maybe we didn't pick the right guy. He Uh was a little too aggressive. He was not what we envisioned. Sam was really the right guy. So let's go ahead and give him that shield. Let's go ahead and give him that mantle. And that's where we see, you know, in the trailer, when we see Sam practicing with the shield, that's when we're actually going to get that in the the series because we haven't seen that yet from the main trailer. And then as him and, and Bucky are walking or talking together at that point, they essentially ride off into the sunset. Yeah. And that sets up either future seasons or future mu- movies. Because honestly, I think they've set this up as much like WandaVision, one season and done, but it would leave the door open more so than WandaVision for a second season if it does well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I see that. The only thing I... I... I don't think they're going to get rid of John Walker that quickly. I think they, he has the potential to really, they could really build him up to be a bigger bad for, for a series. Maybe not so much a movie, a big bad for a movie, but uh, for a series type of arch nemesis to Sam and Bucky, maybe in a future season. I could totally see that. I, I don't think they're going to get rid of him that fast, but I mean, we'll see. Anything can happen yeah. to this one. He could also be a, much like Spider-Man, an advisor to the Young Avengers, a fail or a flawed Captain America type person that would be interesting to see as well personally i really just want to see sam in his captain america outfit from from the comics i think that would be dope um i know that there's been toys that have been branded falcon and the winter soldier with sam in that costume i don't know if that's a blend between comics and and mcu but uh, yeah you know hopefully hopefully we get that by the end of this by the end of these six episodes which i'm going to start to say now more so because instead of series because it may be more than one season so by the end of these six episodes I, i hope we get him in that costume yeah, yeah, that'd be that would be awesome. So 
that's all we have for you today. Please join us next week as we review episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Until then, I'll be on your left, and this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC podcast. This round is on me. Wait, Brian, so what you're saying is... You're right. Yes. So what's going to happen... Jesus, what was that? What's going to happen? I'm going through puberty. <laughs> That's making it to the end. Bucky Barnes! Yeah, so just go with it? Yeah. Okay, sorry. My bad. No, no, it's fine. I fucked it up. You're good. I'm going <laughs> to give myself three whippings later. Shame. It's fine. <laughs> As long as the cat, as long as it's like cat and nines, you know, as well as not just a normal uh, wh- leather whip, we'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, baby. <laughs>